Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Intelligent Community Call. This is the first one for the year. Uh, we've changed the, the format a little bit, so we've, we're going to have these once a month on the second Wednesday of the month at this time. Uh, we'll have four regularly scheduled updates from the Rafiki, FinBoss, COIL, and Intelligent Foundation teams. Plus, the agenda is open for any sort of update you want to share with the community, any type of, of issue you want to discuss. Today, Adrian actually has an issue to discuss on the... Um, um, today, uh, uh, Adrian actually has a, actually has an issue they, uh, he wants to discuss on the on the call. I've also got um, some sad news. If you've been part of this this call, you've probably seen Janos uh, on it quite a few times, and um, you've seen him presenting a couple of months ago. Uh, in in the past week, Janos um, passed away, and we're we're really sorry to, to lose a valuable member of the community. Um, I'm going to start the, the roll call. Um, I'm, I'm going to start the, the, the roll call. Uh, we're going to start with the coil update. Um, Uchi, with the coil update, what would you like to share with the community? Yeah, thanks, Alex, for sending this off. Really excited to see uh, the number of people that are here, and also very sad that we, we lost a valuable member of the community. Uh, from the core side, it's, uh, we have two updates. And one of them is from the event side of things, so opportunities that uh, community members can take part in. The first one is uh, Open Source Festival. It's uh, happening, it's a hybrid event happening uh, in Lagos, Nigeria, and also uh, virtually. And at this event, there's going to be a, a talk focused on Interledger, a keynote by uh, Stefan focused on uh, kind of the open source component of Interledger and how we got here. So check that out if it's something you like to attend, even if it's virtually. And also, most first, definitely uh, it's a good opportunity to engage more with the broader community. Uh, I believe Alex will share more about this uh, from the Interledger perspective. And then uh, for the, from the content side of things, Sabine from the Koi team, wrote an article, uh, an update uh, on Interledger and focused on Rafiki. So I think that's something that is interesting to check out because it talks about uh, the work that has been done so far last year with Rafiki and also highlights uh, what we should expect uh, this year from the Rafiki perspective. So definitely something to check out. I'll share the link uh, here. So if anyone is interested, you can, you can, you can check that out. and. Connect with, uh, uh, with Sabine if you have like more questions. Okay, that's it from the Koi side, Alex. Um, thank you, thank you, Uchi. Um, if anybody has questions for Uchi, um, um, please use the, uh, the the chat or unmute and, and ask your questions for Uchi. Okay, I'm gonna take that as the as a no. Uh, next up on the uh, next up on the on the roll call let's do Rafiki. Um, Adam, Matt, or Sabine, could you share a little update on what's happening in Rafiki land?
we won't all jump at once. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, so to give updates on um, Rafiki project and where it currently stands, I think I think Adrian's issue is raising is part of this, but a lot of the work in the past couple of weeks has been focusing on um, just working out the delegated access model. So at the moment, a lot of the delegated access is something called open payments, um, but it was sort of built on top of a lot of the OAuth 2 primitives for, for access to somebody's account to actually do payments. The problem with that is OAuth wasn't designed very nicely for transactional level permissions. Um, and the actual OAuth community realized this. So they developed a spec, or are currently developing a spec called um, NAP or GNAP, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, and that's led by a, a guy called Justin Reicher, who's actually consulting for us a little bit on this work, as well as Animal Bachman from Amazon. So there's quite a big community involvement in getting NAP over the line because they're trying to solve a lot of the failures of like, I need access for a one-time payment um, in, say, the open banking systems, or I need to be able to escalate the permissions I need for a short time scale. Um, a lot of these things are very difficult to do with OAuth and the concept of having multiple access tokens at the same time for different permissions. So yeah, so Sabina, um, Alex, and, and Adrian have been spearheading trying to develop a, a new spec for that. Um, and then on the back of that, um, Brandon's been doing a lot of work on trying to get the shell of that stuff working um, in Rafiki, but it's obviously a moving target. So, so he's just trying to get the, the actual code in a state where that, once we have finalized it, is easier to, to actually start building. Um, thank you for, for the update, Matt. Um, sadly, Sabine wasn't on the call, so there was no one, no one else to jump in and, and help you out there. Um, a lot of this work happens every week. The, the, Rafiki, uh, the Rafiki repo is open for everybody on the IntelliJ GitHub. And in the discussion section, uh, you can see all the discussions happening or, or, or the, you can think about it kind of like a stand-up happening uh, there every week with, with the team. If you've missed this, or if you want to check up on Rafiki on a more granular basis, um, Hassel has a question about Finboss. Maybe, uh, maybe Hassel, we can wait for the Finboss update, which is next. Either Matt or Adrian, go ahead with the Finboss update, and then we can have the um, the question from Hassel about Finboss. Cool. I'll I'll go ahead. Thanks, Alex. Um, so update from our side, um, I'm trying to think now when last we gave an update, but let me give you a rundown of where we've been since August uh, when we kicked things off. So uh, we're six and a bit months in since starting Fainboss. Um, we, we had quite a big pivot in the product direction around uh, early December last year. Um, we were originally looking to put together effectively a platform that that others could build wallets on top of. Um, and we realized uh, that that was going to be, a, you know, quite a challenge and not really what we felt like the market needed. Um, and and so speaking to partners like Coil um, and, and understanding, you know, what was going to be the most effective way to push the Interledger network forward. Uh, we decided that the product that we're going to um, bring to market in the next few months is is effectively a digital wallet. And an e-wallet or digital wallet depends if you're European or US or where you're from in the world, what you call it. Um, 
some some of the partners I've spoken to even call us a neo bank, but I, I don't think we want to use the word bank. Uh, effectively, what the product will be is a um, something very similar to like a PayPal, except where uh, we want to differentiate from PayPal is that we would be part of a network of other wallets, including Uphold and GateHub from day one, and then hopefully growing over time to be, you know, lots and lots of other uh, wallets, banks, mobile money providers who are part of this Interledger network and can transact with one another. Um, so you'll be able to, uh, as a US uh, resident initially, um, and then we're looking to expand beyond the US as quickly as we can uh, once we've sort of uh, ironed out the kinks. Um, you'll be able to sign up for a, uh, a Fainboss account um, and deposit funds into your account, either through a bank transfer or from a card. Uh, and then you'll be able to send those, um, send payments, receive payments, issue yourself payment pointers. Um, but then uh, importantly, you'll be able to link that account through the Open Payments APIs to third-party applications. So, you know, our partner coming out of the gates will be Coil and, and you'll be able to link your Coil account to your Fainboss um, account. But what that would do is allow Coil to do things like uh, request uh, new payment pointers to receive payments into or initiate payments out of your account uh, within limits that you set um, you know get transaction history of of uh, payments that they've created those kinds of things so the work that Matt's talking about with uh, open payments is defining all of those APIs um, we've got a lot of them already defined at open payments but there but we're, we're I would say the version two of those that we've been working on myself, Sabine, Alex, and others is is quite a significant improvement. Um, and where we are at the moment on that is we've sort of walked through the probably the most prominent or the the priority is probably the best word priority use cases um, and making sure that the framework we're building um, accommodates all of the, those use cases. Um, so that's that's the plan at the moment with Fainboss. We, we would like you know to have um, offer uh, private beta access to people uh, within the next month to six weeks. Um, we had hoped to have something ready for Mozfest, and and you know if we can do that, that would still be awesome. Um, but what's you know what's taken us a little bit longer than we expected was nailing down which partners to use for. All the various features that we want to offer so you know we need a, a partner who's licensed to hold funds uh, you need a partner who's able to do cross-border payments so we can move money out of the accounts to other interledger wallets or even to other Fainboss accounts outside the us uh, we need a partner for card acquiring so that we can fund the wallets uh, you know through through cards and then you need you know a whole bunch of other back office stuff like fraud and risk monitoring and user verification and so on so um, definitely has taken longer than than we expected so I, I want to apologize up front I know I said um, late last year we were hoping to have something by end of Feb I think probably looking more like mid-march late March um, and um, but but based on the partners we've chosen, I, I do hope we roll out to um, UK and Europe very quickly on the back of um, of the launch in the US. Um, 
I think it's probably premature to get into too much more detail on features and so on, but uh, I've seen some of the mock-ups of, of the screens and the flows and so on that, that the team have been putting together. Uh, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be an awesome product. Um, so yeah, looking forward to getting everyone in this community on board for the, the private beta. Um, and if you're not in the US, you know, let us know and we'll make sure you get, you know, first to access if you, uh, if you aren't. Um, and then, you know, the, the second thing we want to do is start building a, a funnel of partners. So we, we're going to go live, you know, as I said, with Coil, but we want to help other people learn how to integrate with open payments APIs so that they can also leverage uh, an interledger enabled account, you know, for their applications, um, for anything from, you know, building your own web monetization provider to a marketplace to, you know, whatever. Um, and and know that uh, a lot of other people are applying some pressure on the other wallets um, to support open payments once we've managed to nail it down. And I think Rafiki is going to be a big part of solving that. So the, the open source Rafiki stack will be an implementation of all the open payments APIs. Um, and so that'll be the, you know, a big help in, in helping other wallets adopt open payments and, and um, new wallets joining the network as well. Thank you, Jim. Um, <laughs> Alex, you put me on the spot. That was I, I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna say it live because not everybody joins the chat after this. But <laughs> you heard it here first. Everyone in the in the March community call will get access to the Simbos private beta. Thank you, Jim, for that amazing opportunity. <laughs> so, so what, what what we what we can definitely commit to is everyone who's on the call in 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 the March call will will take your details, and if you are US based, you will definitely be on the on the, the list of the first uh, users. If you're not US-based, um, I'm hoping we can, you know, get you on board soon after that. Uh, that was that was a big update. Thank you again. We're really excited about what you're trying to do. Um, I think Hassel had a question, so I'm gonna give Hassel the floor for the for the Finbos question. Great, Adrian. Thank you very much for the update. That was very useful. Um, I have two questions uh, that lead to a bigger question, but but the question is actually, uh, I heard you saying that you were in the process of finding the partners for e-identity KYC kind of environments. Um, we would love to learn from your findings, like which partner did you choose, why, onboarding processes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the other thing is like, if, if you already are thinking of a solution for the 99% of the people out there who don't own a credit card or the many people who don't have a bank account. So uh, working process like partners like Western Union or wise.com or other ones. Is, is that something where we can reach out to you or some of your colleagues to, to learn from each other? Because we, we, we need answers to those questions. <laughs> uh, great question. Thanks, Hessel. Um, so, I guess something to point out here, you know, uh, myself and Matt and the rest of the Fainbos team are, are very committed to our product and, and building something really, you know, like a, a category leader in, in the digital wallet space, something that people love to use and, and um, you know, is, is sort of redefines that whole user experience and, and, and so on. But um, a big part of our mission is to change the way people transact and pay 
uh, in a in a sort of in a digital world. And and you know payment pointers and open payments and interledger is a big piece of that. And and we're not going to do that on our own. If we um, if we create a big network of Fainboss users and they're the only people who use payment pointers and, and interledger, then we've sort of failed. Um, I, I hope we have a significant market share, but that's me selfishly hoping our company does very well. Um, but really the, the goal here is um, to bring about a network and a way of uh, initiating and executing and, and um, setting up payments that's native to the web. That's that was always the dream with with payment pointers and open payments. So that if someone has an account with any sort of stored value in it, if it's a mobile money account, if it's a you know prepaid debit card, if it's a bank account, it doesn't actually matter as long as the account provider is able to you know host those APIs, um, they can be part of this ecosystem. That that's where we want to get to. It's it's a it's a pretty lofty goal. Like if you drill into what's required for that to happen. Um, it's pretty significant, you know, so we talk about comparing ourselves to PayPal in terms of product, but in terms of network, it's more like Visa or MasterCard. And if you think like they've got half a century of, you know, history behind them building an incredible, um, incredible uh, network of partners and issuers and acquirers and so on. So, um, yeah, lots to do there. We, we definitely do want to cater to people who don't have credit cards, who don't have bank bank accounts. Our strategy right now is to target the US and then Europe because we think that we can bootstrap quickest there. We can really um, find product market fit fastest. So so uh, it's the those are the easiest markets to test the, the concepts and get um, refine the concepts and, and find out if you know the the way we want this stuff to work actually makes sense to end users. It's it's going to be a lot harder to introduce into um, territories where um, you know banking ecosystems and so on are less mature. But that's um, but sort of ironically, that's the main target. That's that's where we think we can have the most impact in the long term. So certainly that's that's the plan. In terms of the your first question, excuse me. Um, in terms of your first question, we're we're leveraging our partners' uh, identity verification to quite a large extent at the moment. Um, I can definitely feel free to drop me a mail um, after this, Adrian at Fainboss.dev. I can I can connect you with a few of the businesses and providers we've spoken to along the way that do uh, various things from identity verification to uh, EID and so on, um, and can give you my sort of high level impressions of, of what they're doing. Uh, for now, the quickest thing for us was to use the um, the built-in services of the provider that we're using in the US. Um, and that may change as we expand. I saw a question. Great, um, great. Oh, Adrian, right. so it's Adrian at yeah, dot, Adrian at right? Dot dev, right? Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Okay, I'll drop cool. you an email and and thank you again for uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, so that's a it's a really uh, interesting question because it raises a few uh, questions. Um, 
hold on a second so we can read the yeah, question yeah. for the people who don't like have sure. access to so the, the question uh, from yeah the question from Yan is is your wallet going to be an xrp specific wallet kind of like a metamask or xrp and hopefully with web 3js or ether compatibility great question for two reasons one it's our wallet is not going to be related to xrp at all initially it's going to be usd wallet um it's in fact initially we're probably not going to have a way to cash in or out with crypto at all it's just a lot simpler for us to get going in the regulated space in that way it's it's you know that's not to say it's not a um a feature we want to have available down the line but the way we see it is if you want to get into the intelligent network today and you want to use crypto you've got upholding GitHub available to you already um those are crypto wallets so we we see a sort of a, a gap in the market to provide a more traditional paypal-like product um in the intelligent ecosystem so so first up not not xrp specific uh as we expand outside the us it'll be euros and you know sterling and so on but but initially us dollars and then um i really like the question about metamask because i think that's exactly where we think open payments um can play like that that should be exactly how you know things like wallet connect and and, and metamask i think that user experience of visiting an application and linking it to your wallet that's 100% what we want to enable with the open payments APIs. It, it should be um, it should be possible that when you visit an app and the app says, oh, you know, this app requires the ability to send you money or the ability for you to send it money or, or something like that, that the user experience of linking your account with your wallet to that app should be as simple as the current MetaMask experience. And, and ideally it doesn't require a browser extension either, right? So um, I, I've been involved at W3C in the payments working group for seven years. And, you know, we've, we've tried very hard to find ways to integrate payments natively into the web platform APIs. And there's still some outstanding APIs there that haven't got wide adoption outside of Chrome that could really, um, I think could really make this work well. It's a, uh, there, yeah, it's a it's a comp it's a way more complicated topic. I don't want to derail the conversation, but the 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 native web APIs like payment request and payment handler and so on um, are were initially heavily influenced by uh, e-commerce as a use case, and so the focus there was you know capturing things like shipping details and and um what a lot of people call guest checkout like paying for something if the merchant that you're visiting doesn't know who you are or, or doesn't have a card on file for you what we want to um, enable is more of a i visit a site and i have something that feels like metamask or logged in with google or you know you know that that experience where i i kind of link my account to the application and through that process i can say give this application access to my account for up to $5 a month, or only give this application access to my account to read transactions that it um, initiated. So, so you can, as a creator, for example, on Coil, Coil's a good example, you could give Coil access, you could link your account to Coil, but not actually give Coil permission to ever send any money out of your account. All Coil's able to do is create what we call incoming payments. So Coil can connect to your account and, and create like a, um, a placeholder for a payment that's going to happen. 
and attach like a description and a reference and so on to it. Now you may never receive that payment, but you've given Coil permission to do that so that we avoid things like, you know, random anonymous clients just, you know, DDoSing your, your account and creating lots of these incoming payments. So there has to be an explicit permission. Um, but that would be a really low, like a, a really basic permission you would give Quail. And now as a creator on Quail's platform, Quail can give you a really rich experience. They can create unique payments every time someone sends you a tip and you can see a message from the person who sent the tip and you can, um, you know, have a reference to an invoice if someone buys a, you know, digital good on your site or something like that. So those, those are the kinds of use cases we want to, want to get to. And I, I think MetaMask is a big, like the way um that metamask or wallet connect experience works in the crypto world i think is a big a big in uh inspiration to to doing that better in the in in just sort of traditional payments doesn't have to be a crypto only thing i think and i feel like um that experience we're trying to, to replicate it at the network level rather than having to connect just your finbus wallet or just your correct yeah, yeah yeah so, so 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 the idea would be that you um you know you browse to the app and the app says you can connect your interledger enabled wallet. So any interledger capable or open payments capable, I mean, we've got to decide what the sort of call to action is. Um, and, and you pick, you hit that and there's a, there's a, a way that then you connect your specific wallet to the browser through these interactions that we were talking about with, with Canap and, and open payments. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I can add, sorry, I, I left this out of my update, but something we are doing at Painboss is investing a bit of um, time and resources in uh, working on the sort of marketing and branding and a, a strategy around that as well. You know, thinking about this world where we have kind of a federation of wallets that are all able to be part of this ecosystem. Um, where does the Fainboss brand sit compared to like the Interledger brand? And if a user, you know, is checking out of a site and wants to pay with their Interledger enabled wallet, um, what brand do they see that, that, you know, tells them if I click this button, I'm going to invoke my Fainboss wallet or I'm going to invoke my Apple wallet. Um, we, we want, it, it, to my mind, we want something that sits alongside Apple Pay and Google Pay that's like, you know, the open alternative. Thank you. Thank you, Eugene. Yes. Has we had a follow-up question? No, no, no. This is uh, this is all great information, and I uh, am sending uh, uh, Edwin an email. Okay, perfect. Uh, if anybody else has any more updates for, uh, any more questions for Adrian and Kim Boss. Going once, going twice. Thank you so much, Adrian, for the Finboss update. That's really exciting. Um, you've seen the energy in this call. Everybody's really excited about the, uh, the uh, a world where Finboss um, gives us access to play with IntelliJ API or with IntelliJ enabled wallets. Um, really looking forward to, to your private beta. We'll move on to the to the IntelliJ or the ILF uh, update, IntelliJ Foundation update. Um, we've got two, I think only two things on the agenda. One of them is MossFest, which you mentioned MossFest. Chris can tell us a lot more about, um, Chris is just not the meeting, so I'm probably not going to be able to tell us a lot about, about MossFest and our, um, our MossFest involvement. We'll wait for Chris to join. In the meantime, I'll talk a little bit about the, uh, the new web pack. Chris is back.
right, uh, let me finish about the, the weaponization update. Uh, we've got a lot of feedback from the community. We've ironed out all the kinks that were on GitHub, and we are happy with what's there. It's going to be a link-based uh, weaponization. Uh, every provider, weaponization provider, gets to decide how many links they want to monetize on a page. If they want to monetize just the top link or every link on the page that's top to the weaponization provider. We're working really hard right now to finishing the documentation so we can launch. Hopefully, by the time Adrian has a private beta, we can actually release the new version of weaponization for people to play around with and kind of test out. Uh, if anybody is really interested in developing against that, we have a working kind of POC extension. And sadly, it's a it's a preview extension. So if you want access to it, reach out to me on our on our Slack community group, and I'll give you access to the to the extension so you can test out the new link integration. See how that works against your your current thing before we go and release it to the public and finish the, the docs. Uh, that was the weaponization update. Chris for Mosfest. Sure. Sorry about that, Alex. My my uh, tab crashed probably just as you were calling on me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so this kind of follows a similar line with web monetization, and Uchi mentioned it earlier, and I don't want to belabor this too much, but I just wanted to let everybody know that Interledger Foundation, COIL, and Mozilla Foundation are partnering uh, to bring a web monetization experience in tipping, an experiment in tipping to the festival. Uh, we're really excited about this because one, it goes directly at the issue of do we have enough web monetized consumers and enough web monetized content and tries to create at least a temporary place where you might have some equilibrium between the two. And even more exciting because we think it's a, one of the first real experiments in what it would be like to have users and content creators be able to work in open payments with basically being able to tip across um, to different pro to projects, to people, uh, to resources, et cetera. So uh, COIL is making sure that there is a tipping beta in all festival participants' hands, which last year was about 10,000 participants. They will all get that sort of in their digital gift bag, so to speak. And we will be working with facilitators wranglers, organizers, content creators within the festival ecosystem to have them ready, set up to accept those tips. And we're also working with the broader web monetization community that we've activated through our awards and grants and other community work to also be ready to engage and participate in that experiment. So I think it'll be super interesting to see how people react, what people do, what the experience is like when the user has more agency about how, how much, and when they enact a payment on the consumer side and what producers do to entice that, market that, and fit their content towards that. Um, please feel free to contact me, chris at interledger.org if you wanna hear more. And I know many of you are in various web monetization uh, communities are in mailing lists and we are going to be going out in the next 48 hours and uh, recruiting you and inviting you to participate. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Chris, for that for that update. Um, you've probably heard coil tipping in this call like three different times from both um, Uchi and Chris and Adrian. If you're a bit confused uh, why you don't have that today, it's a new feature they're working on kind of behind the uh, like right now, but 
Chris said, if you want to try it out, your best bet is to sign up for MouseFest. It's a pay-as-you-want event. You'll learn something new, and you'll get the chance to test out tipping for the first time. Uh, Chris, you have a question for for uh, your update. Uh, is the idea that the people being tipped at MossFest are all session facilitators? So yes, and uh, is how I'd uh, answer that. All all facilitators will be invited to participate, and so facilitators are our sort of first uh, group that we're looking to sort of activate as web monetized content producers, resource producers, et cetera. But that doesn't mean that it's exclusive to facilitators. If other folks wanted to join in, we'll have the asynchronous documentation. We'll also have office hours and trainings that are available to all. But the idea is targeting the facilitators because they are the ones producing assets, resources, have projects coming in and out of the festival that really make them a, a prime group to benefit from this technology. Also, kind of conceptually, these kinds of, especially in a digital, you know, everything online age, these are volunteers. The facilitators for festivals like MozFest and other similar ones that really leverage a community approach, those normally is no compensation model from speakers to session facilitators, so on and so forth. So we're also playing around with what kind of more peer-based distributed systems might actually create financial models around compensating people in a community efforts that produce such large events or activities. So we're not going to get no, get there in this festival, but those are some of the ideas around financial inclusion and equity that we're looking at. What, how can this technology activate models that bring more equity into these kinds of of spaces, uh, especially in a world where, you know, in the old times, these festivals fly you to the event, underwrite your time. There were financial equity models that actually spurred participation. Everything's digital. Even that sometimes meager compensation for that intellectual labor goes uncompensated. So we're, that's one of the big reasons we're looking at MozFest facilitators as a group that could benefit from new models. Thank you for that, Chris. Thank you for that update. Um, you'll also have to keep in mind that the, 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 the accounts, the MozFest accounts are going to be around after MozFest. So you're going to see an influx of web monetized users on your website. And all of them are going to have tipping enabled. Those are going to be the first tipping enabled web monetized users. So you might want to explore that for your web property, for your web monetized property. Those tips kind of hang around after MozFest as well. So if you want to, to explore that, that now would be a good idea to, to do that. Okay, thank you, Chris. These were the, uh, the that that was the roll call. That was um, that was a good forty minutes. Thank you, everybody, for for getting ready for for today. We now have something that's on the agenda. Um, you, I've, I've alluded to it. Adrian has a, a a design kind of question related to the new version of open payments. It's around that grant um, and, and granting permissions uh that we we mentioned adrian do you want to do of present your pros and cons for a little bit before we dive into it sure i i think let me outline the problem uh, maybe better than than i did in in the text um i guess the the main where this all comes from is it's very difficult as a uh licensed like account holding entity 
to expose a raw interledger to your users. So to allow your users to just send ILP packets. I, I think we'll get there eventually, um, but at least for now, the intent is that you give people the ability to create an outgoing payment, which has a destination, and then the provider under the hood um, will, will do the work to open a connection over Interledger and make the payment. So um, that, that means if you want to build a web monetization provider, how do you do it? <laughs> because one of the features of web monetization today is that uh, you have this really useful um, signed receipt that you can verify offline. You don't need to go, um, you know, poll your, uh, so let's say you, you, you have an account with Uphold, um, they give you a payment pointer, you embed that in your site, and someone comes along to visit your site and you have some code on the page um, that, establishes that there's, uh, you know, that the visitor is, is paying you, how do you verify those payments? I mean, obviously you could have a way to pull your account at Uphold and see if the money's arriving, um, but that's unlikely to work, mostly because right now Uphold do some aggregation and only settle the funds into your account sort of in blocks. And also um, you've got to then do a network round trip to go and query that. So that was the that was the motivation behind stream receipts, where as the payments are actually being made by um, by Coil, Coil is getting a receipt back from Uphold, um, signed using a shared secret that they established um, when they first created the connection, and they're surfacing those receipts, those signed receipts through the DOM. So your client side code in your website can you know get access to those receipts. And if you know the shared secret, which you should do, because you probably would have been the one who set up the, the verifier proxy, um, you can verify those offline. That's, that's really useful. If you write your own web monetization provider, so now you're not Coil, you're actually writing your own provider, but you're using open payments APIs at let's say Fainboss uh, as a way to initiate those outgoing payments you no longer have access to the raw ILP stream. You, you have a single outgoing payment object that you can create and you can poll it to see how much money has been sent. Um, but that's obviously way less efficient than getting the receipt. So really the, the discussion here was, um, do we want to evolve the web monetization API to be more aligned with open payments? And so, whenever a web monetization provider lands on a page, um, it establishes the outgoing payment through uh, itself or through a, you know, a, a linked wallet. But the thing that gets returned to the website is the incoming payment URL. So basically the website gets back a URL, a single URL that says, I'm sending payments to you. This is where you can go and check them and you can verify how much I've sent. Alternatively, the outgoing payment interface actually surfaces the receipts. Um, and I mean, that's, a, that's certainly doable and that's how we've spec'd it out today, but it feels a little bit icky in terms of like leaking across protocol layers because 
we're going to have to find a way for the stream layer to pass those up into the uh, open payments layer. Um, so that's that's kind of the the summary of the problem. It's it's quite a difficult one without really digging into or understanding the the, the layering and the internals here to um, to figure out. Um, but I guess what what I'd be interested to hear from folks if anyone is using receipts. Uh, if you are, how are you doing it? Are you are you running your own verifier, or are people, you know, outsourcing the verifier? Maybe part of the answer here is simply to, um, for a uh, like Fainboss to offer its customers a verifier as well. So if you, um, you know, if you if you go. Uh, if you create an outgoing payment through your Fainvoss account, um, we can give you the URL of the verifier that was used or the shared secret or something. Um, but yeah, I, anyway, that's that's the high level sort of problem statement and and the you know sort of details in the in the forum post there. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone has any any immediate thoughts at this stage. My thinking is to just stick with um stick with option one and see what the implementation looks like and revisit if the implementation in Rafiki is gonna really be problematic. Right. So option one is which um, is yeah basically the localization API in the browser. Yeah uh, so basically I can and and I and now I kind of regret raising this issue without having a better um having shared a lot of the open payments work we've been doing um for people to review um i will try and maybe alex you and sabina and i can try and get all of this open payment stuff collated by the end of this week into a public space for people to start reviewing um let me let me share my screen for two seconds and show you what an outgoing payment request will look like um, yeah. Um, actually, this is a very good. This is a very good point. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about about it today, but we're gonna keep this open until the next community call. Give everybody kind of a month to review everything, form an opinion if they have one, and if they'd like to to help us until until then. Cool. Because I feel like yeah. a lot of the uh, the stuff doing around grants will work. Like this is just one of the use cases for yeah. for grants and how that payment you know is gonna work for. Um, go ahead Adrian. Yeah so it, it, you're right and and I think that maybe is um I, I think it's maybe prudent to wait until a lot of this stuff is more public. So just to give you an idea I've started documenting uh, kind of the APIs here and this is what what the the outgoing payment resource looks like. So the the general the gist of it would be that if you have permission to create outgoing payments from someone's account. So imagine you're a Fainboss account holder, you link your Coil account to your Fainboss account and you give Coil permission to create outgoing payments up to let's say $10 a month. So what you effectively said is Coil can send money out of my account up to $10 a month. And the whole grant process is how that works. Assume Let's assume for now that's all been done correctly and, and we can go into the details of that another time. What Coil would now do is create a resource at Fainboss. They would make a, a post 
to your payment pointer with something that has properties like this. Now, now these are um, not all of the property, oh, sorry, these are all of the properties and not all of them would be required for a create. Um, so let me take you down and you can see here where we're talking about adding a receipt nonsense secret, which could be passed in the, uh, in the setup. Let me take you down to the actual create. Um, so what would happen is I create an outgoing payment. I, I set, let's say, um, a receiving account, which would be the payment pointer I found on the page. Um, I say how much I want to send to that payment pointer. Um, or sorry, at least I say how much I want them to receive, or I say how much I want to send. So you'd have one or the other. And then I can provide a description or a reference. So these are our new fields that, you know, are introducing this concept of being able to add annotate, you know, metadata to a payment. Now, if I don't, um, if I don't have these last two properties, then what I get back as coil is just a confirmation that this has been created and I can keep checking the state of the outgoing payment to find out, you know, when it's been completed and the money's been sent and how much was sent. But, um, if I add these two properties, the receipt nonce and the receipt secret, then I, what I sh should be able to do is query the, um, the outgoing payment to get the latest receipt each time and verify it based on the secret that I provided. Um, so I'm going to be bold while we have 10 minutes left and go find an example of that to show you. Um, and I'm, I'm stealing a lot of credit here for all of Sabina's hard work. Um, um, okay, I'm going to have to share this tab instead. So what we've done is we've started to write out sort of end to end a full use case. So this is a use case of variable recurring payments, Coil, um, Fainboss, Apple, Alice, Bob, or the sort of stakeholders here. Um, and you can see here's all the requests that go back and forward. This is the linking that happens and so on. But the part I really want to show is, yeah, Alice sends a, a tip to Bob. So um, this is the request that Coil would send against Alice's payment pointer to say, um, send a tip to Bob of $2. Um, and there's a whole lot of access control stuff there. Um, and I wanted to show you, yes, okay. So if Coil, the outgoing payment that Coil created if Coil gets that, they would have this object called receipts, and that would give them the nonce and the HMAC of the receipt to be able to verify it. And it would tell them that's the amount that's been sent. So this is option one is include this piece. Now, the complexity there is not maybe obvious just looking at it, but to be able to include this in this response requires that the actual stream the interledger components within your um within your whole system are surfacing all of this stuff up to probably a very different component of the system which is servicing the apis so there's a bit of complexity there it's i guess all i'm i'm pointing out and i, I think um we don't know for sure how complex this is going to be until we've implemented it in rafiki um but that was that's sort of the caveat um 
I feel like looking at that, I felt the, the, the architecture, like the layering of the architecture. Receipts come from stream, which is like the transport mechanism. And Rafiki sits on top of the application. It's and bundling the application together. Feels like it would need surfacing three layers up with the receipts to make this work. And we'd be, we'd be making a decision for everybody. One of the other options is, and I feel like this would be th this would be as as somebody who's worked on the web on, on the latest organization side uh it feels like it's kind of a middle ground where receipts in web organization are actually optional because you can always send the amount and everything else up but not the receipts you, you couldn't verify it but that's an optional feature of the weaponization spec so we could it just happens that weaponization providers that are building on top of open Open payment APIs won't have receipt enabled for them, and weaponization providers with raw direct interledger access would have receipts because they'd be having that and they'd surface it themselves. And that's kind of a, a middle ground where we don't have to surface things in Rafiki or in this layer, but there'd be options for other people who want to, to surface that. Or if there's a because the receipts come from individual payments and you you would tally up receipts rather than sending the receipt for a, or you'd have to wait until you finish the entire payment to send one receipt for the entire payment if you think about how how that works now for like a streaming payment and coil to actually send a hundred payments a second or whatever and you get a, a receipt for all of those hundred payments small individual ones with tipping, it's actually a one payment that's being streamed. So you'd get a receipt for a cent, a receipt for two cents, all the way to a receipt for the final amount. So you'd have to wait for the latest receipt for the biggest number, figure out maybe you finished paying it, and then surface that receipt. So the, the whole process wouldn't be instantaneous. You'd still want to, to kind of wait for it. Or There's a lot of decisions that we'd be making for people, and it's... It's, some of those decisions could be could be different for individual providers, right? If I would be a provider today, for example, for myself, if I would be an individual organization provider for myself, I wouldn't really care about receipts, right? If I was uh, an, a content creator, I would like to verify people who've been on my website have actually paid me and it's just not fake events or whatever to unlock my content. If you think about how Medium works, if you go into private browsing, right now you can kind of circumvent the paywall in a weaponization world. If you wanted to use the, the receipts for anything, you would have to verify them. Mm. Uh, but this is yeah. uh, like this is these are options on the table. I encourage everybody will will share this both hack and the and maybe a read-only version of the, the document, Adrian, you showed people in the call. Um, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll bundle that in the we'll bundle that in the, the meeting minutes in the on the call for everybody to kind of take a look at. And we'll be back here in March, second Wednesday of March. Let me figure out what date that is. Yeah, I I, I um so I, oh. We've done a lot of this work. Uh, there's like two or three Google Docs and then a lot of these HackMD sort of markdown docs, which are nice ways to do this code stuff. I think um, let's clean it up and and, and um, put it out there. I guess I've been reluctant to 
make it too public yet just because it's changed a lot over time and I, I didn't want anyone to sort of stumble on it and think this is you know how things work um we, we wanted to get it to at least a sort of stable state before um before we sort of broaden the broaden the discussion um i think we're there now so i think let's you know let's um let's do that this week and we can uh i i've already created um a branch uh in the open payments repo in the interledger github org um, where I started putting some of these markdown notes, but let's um, let's maybe put everything in there now, including the doc, and uh, and we can use that as a basis for further discussion. The, the problem with GitHub as a discussion tool is the only real way to discuss stuff is with uh, pull requests, which sucks a little bit. So that's why we've been using HackMD. It it works pretty well. But um, I'll I'll figure something out with Sabina, and we'll find a good way to. Put this out there by the end of the week and and get um get wider feedback on it thank you so much thank you so much adrian and um that's we're gonna get feedback here on the 9th of march <laughs> because February is a short month it's gonna be the same so 9th of march um 9th of march we're gonna be here and we're gonna talk about this a little bit more i think this is the the first ever call where we've We've taken up the entire hour. I'd like to celebrate that. That is amazing. Thank you. Yeah, we, we're getting we're getting back into the protocol discussion stuff. The the early days of interledger calls were were deep and technical. <laughs> they used to they used to take the full hour, but then we 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 I've missed this. This is this is good stuff. It's great to be back here again. Thanks, it's, Alex. It's really good. It's really good. Um, and with this, I'm gonna close it here. There's two minutes left of the of the hour. I'm not really fond of just using up the space because we have it. We're gonna close here. If you wanted to share an update with the uh, with the class and we didn't get around to it, this is my best my best kind of lead into. Please share your updates on the on the agenda on the community forum if you'd like to. If you'd like me to save some space in here for you, um, this was all the all the things in the agenda. Thank everybody for for joining. This is gonna be um, like the recording is gonna be up on on SoundCloud and Cinnamon. You can take a look at uh, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud. Cinnamon will have the videos as well. Please take a look at the notes, and we'll be back here in a month. Thank you everybody for for participating today. Thanks, Alex. Thanks. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.